Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Bonnie D. in the house. I'm never sure which way I said was the future, so we'll just say into the future and we'll do that. I'm so excited about today's show because it's a part four of a very popular topic. Obviously, we've been doing this for quite a while. Back by popular demand, we're going to talk about the future of drones. Are they coming? Are they landing? Are they on a roof? Are they on a porch? Are they on a, an ambulance? Are they on a car? Are they on a building, an office building, somewhere near you doing something important? This is so popular. I've invited back Four of these people have been on several times, and one just joined us on part three. I've never done a part four show before. So I'm very honored that my guests, and I am... I'm assuring all of you, they're very busy, they're very smart, they're very passionate about drones. So we're going to have a really good conversation. So let me just give you a couple of updated buzzes on the topic. Number one, drones have been around for more than two decades. I'm not sure I knew that. Their roots date back to World War One. Chuck, you knew that, right? When oh, yeah. the US, U.S. and France worked on developing automatic unmanned airplanes, but the last few years have been significant People, individuals, commercial entities, and governments, oh my, have come to realize drones have multiple useful features. Let me just give you a couple that are being used actively today. Aerial photography for journalists and for movies. I think we've all seen some movie footage from drones. Express shipping and delivery, I wish. Gathering information or supplying essentials for disaster management, very important. Thermal sensor drones for research and rescue operations, important. How about geographic mapping of inaccessible terrain and locations, helping with manufacturing, helping with mining, we all know about that. Building safety inspections, precision crop monitoring, I think we've talked about that. Unmanned cargo transport, guess you can just nod if you agree with all of these. Law enforcement and border control surveillance, we're not going to get into politics, but we know storm tracking and forecasting hurricanes and tornadoes, just some of the uses. And this comes from an article in businessinsider.com. I have another quote here from Popular Mechanics. Surprise, surprise. Drone headlines. Listen to this. A drone attack targeted the U.S. electrical grid. Police used drones to enforce social distancing. You all remember when we were distancing in COVID. A drone transport is powered by hydrogen fuel. Drones are helping to restore power in Puerto Rico. This goes back a ways. Drones service from Google will deliver library books. We talked about this last time. A guy sent a drone to rescue his drone. Does anybody remember that news article? How about drones flying cars soaring over Dubai? How about submarine drones that can swim for months and fly away? And drone waiters who will take your restaurant order. Well, sometimes they do seem kind of automaton, the waiters, so I'm not sure whether they're drones or not. And one more thing. I found an article, gentlemen, in aerocorner.com, A-E-R-O-C-O-R-N-E-R.com, about cool things you can do with a drone that are legal and fun. Okay, I want you all to react to that. Legal and fun. Stephen got that one. So a couple things are, hey, what can you do? You can join a flying club in your area. You can join a drone racing league. We can talk about that. A DIY obstacle course you can create. You can take aerial photos of your hikes, hopefully not your neighbors, what they're doing. Create a 3D map of your property, help to locate lost pets in your area. Or Alex knows you could 
create a we get to get a drone to locate lost pets anywhere in the world because Alex is probably using some of his drones around the world for that. I'm guessing capture footage during special events. You can start a freelance aerial photography business, take holiday photos, volunteer for scientific collection and surveying, and check your roof for debris and damage after one of the many storms we're having. So that's some of the stuff you can do. And maybe my panelists will talk about some fun stuff for the future, but we're going to be very serious today. Raise your hand and wave when I call you. Chuck Byers is back. Hello, Chuck. Happy to have you. This gentleman, it took me two years to learn to pronounce his name, and I've got it right. Fance Genesee, wave hello. Bonnie got it right. Hey, how you doing? Hey, very well. Ryan Walsh with the easy-to-pronounce name. How are you, Ryan from Valkyrie? We have Stephen Philpott. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? Now, do you want me to call you Steve or Stephen? Because I have both in all of your profiles. What would you like I, to be? It doesn't matter. There, oh, it has. you have to tell me. I take instructions well. What do you want? Steve is fine. Steve is fine. Okay, that's in my notes. And Alex Backer, PhD. Alex is the one who formed a, a special app called Drizzit, and he has drones rentable all over the world. Alex, how have you been? Excellent. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, delighted you could join us. I met Alex on my show, on my Monday night show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives, because he wrote a book on 100 Clues to a Happy Life. And somewhere in his bio, he said he worked with drones. And I said, you got to come on Technology Revolution. And the other four gentlemen welcomed him with open arms last time. And so Alex is back. Delighted. And we did a video last time with with Alex. Okay, let's go around the table. Now, I'm going to make a categorical statement here. Get gentlemen, I'm guessing there are probably 10.3 people around the world who forgot who you are. That's a number for all of you. I did my research. I ran the stats. Ryan, you can smile now. There we go. We got to get a smile out of Ryan Walsh. So why don't you talk to those 10.3 people? It might not be the same 10.3 for all of you, but they're the only ones who don't know who you are. Chuck, why don't you update us? I'm putting you on speaker view. Welcome back. Oh, why, thank you so much. And it's always a pleasure to work with Bonnie and this illustrious panel. Uh, I'm. Uh, an electrical engineer for 37 years. I worked for Bell Laboratories. I worked for Cisco. And right now I'm CTO of two organizations. One is the Industry IoT Consortium, which is 150 member companies working on the Internet of Things and uh, trustworthy digital transformation. Uh, the other company that I'm CTO of is Valkyrie, and we make drone landing stations, uh, cargo drones and the software that stitches them together into end-to-end drone delivery networks. Now, Ryan Walsh is the the CEO of that company, so we're working closely on this. I have 130 U.S. patents, a couple dozen of which are somehow related to drones and edge computing and all the enabling technologies involved in making this go. So happy to be here and happy to continue to share perspectives on how all this stuff will fit together and change our lives. Thank you, Chuck. And I noticed in your bio, it was updated. I think last time you were on a few months ago, you were about 128 patents and now it's 130. So congratulations and keeping you busy, I'm sure. We are, you know what? We're going to put together a show for next year, Chuck, on how to get a patent and what, what the popular patents are. What do you think? Can we do one? Get oh, absolutely. The- yeah, I've, uh, I've been through it so many times. Uh, there's a lot of pratfalls and a lot yeah. of benefits, but Unless uh, unless you're lucky, it's a little hard to get really rich on the, individuals doing patents. The future of patenting your great next idea. Yeah. Would any any of you want to be on that show? I'd, I welcome any of you. Have okay, Ryan's in. Well, we got our panel already. There you go. you make it too easy for me. Steve Philpot, you're up next. Please reintroduce yourself. Remember, it's only ten point three people talk to them. Steve, 
I'm Steve Philpott. I'm a civic tech architect, which is really kind of the new uh, urban planner that uh, integrates smart city technologies and other integrations into or between cities and their constituency for better quality of life. Um, my focus is in um, looking at technologies that can improve economic conditions in various areas, not um, in one-offs, but in lasting and uh, large, uh, impactful ways. I'm the, I serve as the CEO of MyScout, which is uh, a drone-assisted services company that focuses on drone-assisted public safety, um, and also designer of what's called a four-dimensional four trajectory reference box, a system that drones will use to fly further in dense populated areas. And I'm also the CTO, or will be moving over to be the CTO of Evertisky. So Evertisky does more of the infrastructure for the UAM market. And uh, that's about it. Not that interesting. Nothing. Steve, do you sleep? I, I don't. Not a lot. I don't. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to getting to the tipping point where I can get back to having a normal kind of day. But no, not right now. It's not a lot of fun. It's not, it's oh, a, I'm sorry to hear that, but I just want to know, is there something special you have for breakfast? I can ask the same question of all of you later. Do you have for breakfast that powers that brain that just keeps going and going and going? Anything special on your menu? I don't eat breakfast. <gasps> That's an important thing. I do not eat breakfast. Breaking all the rules, the nutrition uh, rules, the dietary. Oh, this, this yeah. show is going to be very interesting. Steve, thank you for that admission. <laughs> I wouldn't say confession. Thank yeah. you very much. We have to learn from the really smart people. People. Ryan Walsh, speaking of really smart people, you're up next. Ryan, please, 10.3 people, they're all yours. Talk to them. Go ahead. I'm Ryan Walsh. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Valkyrie. Uh, as Chuck mentioned, uh, we build drone infrastructure and a lot of the uh, support systems required for point-to-point delivery utilizing drones. Um, I don't have as many patents as Chuck. I'm up to 28 now. Um, so things are uh, really looking bright for Valkyrie, and I'm excited to be here with this amazing panel. Thank you. And we're excited to have you, an amazing expert, join this amazing panel. So thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you. And let's go to Founce Genesee. <laughs> Hi. I'm so proud I can pronounce your name. <laughs> you tell your family, Bonnie finally learned to pronounce your name. Founce, welcome back. <laughs> I appreciate it. I've got it phonetically spelled in all my notes for the past two years. Founce, please reintroduce yourself. Welcome back. Oh, well, thank you, Bonnie. Appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me here. My name is Pounce Genese. I'm the CEO and founder of USOG, Unmanned Systems Operations Group. Uh, we design, manufacture, and sell drone delivery systems. And we don't do that um, in our own little silo. We work with companies like Valkyrie um, to create whole systems uh, for and delivery. Uh, we specialize in that that little space below the drone, above the delivery, the delivery position, uh, where that's where the gap is. Everybody's like, hey, we're going to put our package on. You got to have a mechanism to do it. And that's where we live. Um, and so, yeah, I'm also part of the FAA safety team, uh, part of military, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I just added to my uh, resume a professorship now. No, well, an adjunct educator, you know, uh, be teaching uh, here at one of the local community colleges drone. So uh, I'm excited to do that, to get out of the community. 
I would take a class from you, Fance, and I'd be proud to say profess, adjunct Professor Genesee. I'd be very happy to be in your class. Thank you very much. And Alex Becker is back. Alex, talk to us. Any special places around the world you are flying your drones or other people's drones? Alex, talk to me. Go ahead. I, I have since we uh, met last flown them in the Amazon, uh, so that was really fun. Uh, but yeah, pre- uh, pleasure to be back with this uh, distinguished panel. So uh, great to see you all again. Um, so I, I was born and raised in Argentina, which is uh, worth saying today because we're in Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, I uh, got my start with um, computers uh, at the International Olympiad of Informatics, uh, which is a, a geek Olympiad for people uh, who have to write a computer program in four or five hours to solve a problem. And so that that got me started, though, with travel and took me to the, uh, the Soviet Union at the time and uh, in uh, Minsk and Greece. Um, I moved to the U.S. to go to MIT. I uh, then drove across the country, uh, convinced my future roommate to drive me across the country because I didn't have a car, and uh, to come to Caltech where I got a PhD. Um, initially in a program, uh, it's really fun. It's called Computation and Neural Systems, and it's half about understanding how the brain works and half about building your own brain if you wish. Um, and then really the PhD in neuroscience and, and pattern recognition there. Uh, and then I got bitten by the uh, California bug of uh, entrepreneurship uh, and uh, started starting companies. Um, and the two most recent ones are uh, Qless, which is a company that eliminates waiting in line um, that has saved hundreds of millions of users more time awaiting in line than all recorded history. Um, and Drizzit, uh, as you mentioned, which is doing for vision what Alexander Graham Bell's telephone did for speech. In other words, allow us to have global vision, allow us to see anywhere in the world on demand. Um, and it does that um, you know, with, with a couple of key innovations. One, one is the ability to fly a, fl- a drone anywhere in the world from your phone or computer, as we did at the last episode of this. Um, so essentially dissociating the need, to, uh, you know, no, no more need to be next to your drone in order to fly it. Uh, and then secondly, introducing an air, the Airbnb for drones, essentially the ability for people who have a drone to put their drone on the Drizzit network uh, and be paid to share it with the rest of the world uh, in a very safe way with, with geofensive permissions uh, that essentially make it uh, pretty much crash proof. Other than that, I have three uh, children for whom I wrote 101 Clues to a Happy Life. Um, and uh, more uh, recently, I've been uh, writing uh, songs. And so you should be seeing a couple of songs coming out soon. Uh, Love is a Journey is one and Spend a Little Time with You is another one, which we recorded with a fantastic team, in, uh, including Shell Hill, uh, Phil X out of Bon Jovi, um, and Jeff Bova, Grammy-winning plant pianist, uh, Ron Nevison, who's the producer of uh, some of my best childhood uh, hits like uh, Hearts and Survivors. So that's uh, me in a nutshell for those 8.3 people. Wow. All right, Alex, we need to start a band. I'm a musician and an audio engineer. I'm a drummer. Okay. I'm a drummer. I want to be your chick drummer. I got the boots. I got the red stick. So I want to come be your drummer. I think we need to start a, a, a the drone people's band or something like that. I will take you up on that. Okay. I'm, I'm going to unpack the drums in my new house in a few minutes. I'll, I'll be right back. Um, Alex, same question I asked Steve. Do, do you... What's, Oh, my goodness, there's a squirrel looking in my window. I have a beautiful garden in my house here. I never, the blue jays, orange cardinals come and rest on my, and I never get the pictures. Hello, squirrel. Goodbye. I'm on the radio. Okay. Um, Alex, do you sleep? I do. I do. I, I, I find sleep an essential part of my happiness. And do you have breakfast? Let's go around the table. Alex, do you have breakfast? Every day is my favorite meal. Okay. The squirrel is, he wants to come in and be on the radio. Founce, do you have breakfast? 
I'm like Steven. Um, I have a cup of coffee and I'm good until about lunch. Really? Ryan, yeah. breakfast? You're a breakfast person? No, my first meal is usually 6 p.m. Yep. How do, you, how do you power Ryan Walsh all day? I feel like uh, I get zapped of my energy if I eat too early. Exactly. Too early. Yep. Inter- inter- yep. What, time, what time zone are you in, Ryan Walsh? <laughs> Central. I'm in Chicago. Wow. Well, we had to be careful not to disturb him before 6 p.m. Chuck, do you eat breakfast? I, I do. Uh, every Saturday, I generally make like um, a whole big batch of waffles. And I uh, gnaw on these things uh, throughout the week. Uh, this morning's were uh, almond flour based, and I had three kinds of berries on top of them. So I'm uh, really zipping on carbos. But as Ryan correctly pointed out, I'm likely to crash uh, about halfway through this. So if you see me flumped over and sleeping, that's because I ate too many waffles for breakfast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm, I'm back to my, my usual uh, breakfast milkshake. It's 2% milk, a couple of ice cubes, a little bit of cocoa unsweetened, a little bit of agave syrup instead of oh, sugar. Nice. I hear it's just as bad, but it sounds better. Mm. And uh, half or more of a banana depending on the size of the banana. And once in a while, I'll put a little tiny bit of Tillamook vanilla old-fashioned ice cream in just to sweeten it a little, blend it up in a personal blender, you know, the kind you get for 15 bucks. And I have one in red and one in white, of course, and then put in a plastic straw that's a reusable straw. No more throwing out straws. Don't do that anymore. With a little brush to clean the straw. And I drink that and it's about, it starts out about eight ounces and then it ends up by the time you blend it at around 12 ounces. And, and that fuels me for the pretty much for half of the day. But wow. You know, that, that sounds like it's screaming for two jiggers of amaretto. I'm sorry. <laughs> it <laughs> probably like it is. really tasty. Well, when you all send your drones over here to visit me, you can drop off the amaretto check. Oof. That would be just fine. Thank you. Founce, you just, okay? Just, li- just listening to that gives me, oh my gosh, it's pure diabetes to me. I don't, oh, I don't do sweets. Sorry. I don't do sweets. Oh, I'm a sweets person. Chocolate chips right out of the freezer. Let's not go there. That's another show. Let's go to the quotes. I want to and want to get to the. Let's keep the the quote short. Chuck Byers, you sent me a quote from. Oh my goodness, from Hal, a sentient supercomputer with a human personality, voiced by Douglas Rain. Of course, the movie is 2001. We're way past that now. A space odyssey, 1968, epic sci-fi film. In this scene, Hal was being interviewed by a journalist on Earth and asked about his confidence level. Okay, and here's the quote. Hal says, let me put it this way, Mr. Amor. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. Number 9000 computer has ever made, never made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the world, foolproof and incapable of error. Oh, my. Chuck, where'd you find this and what does it have to do with drones? Can't wait. Oh, well, uh, I, I, I've been a Kubrick fan and a fan of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's my favorite movie. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you hear interviews with astronauts and they say, of all the space operas, that's the only one that really gets the kind of look and feel of space flight or what they hope space flight will be when we start to go interplanetary. So I, I, I like that. Uh, Hal is basically running this big drone spacecraft that's a couple hundred meters long and there's five astronauts aboard. And, uh, you know, he's responsible for keeping them safe, happy, alive, and on course. The AI engines that we are, as we speak, designing for our drones are responsible for keeping those drones safe, happy, and on course. Um, Hal, unfortunately, although he said he was incapable of error and infallible, um, turns out if you know the movie, kind of wasn't. And the reason that he wasn't, it turns out, is because the AI models 
the data that was fed into him were incorrect and corrupt and inconsistent. And if we're training our drones to fly based on incorrect, corrupt and inconsistent AI models, our drones are going to end up exactly the way, the same way that Hal did, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of got lobotomized. So uh, uh, I think it's a tale of caution, yep. and it's uh, trying to drive the way that I'm attempting to, to use my CTO influence to get AI into our society in safer ways. Thank you very much. Cautionary tale indeed. And isn't it the same with all of the computers we're running? Isn't it the same with all of the algorithms? Don't we talk about AI with biases? Who created that AI algorithm? Who is the person and what were they thinking, feeling? What's their history? What's their bias that went into that? It's really the same. We used to call it, what was it, uh, Geigo, a good good data in, good data, bad data in, bad data. I can't remember from my programming days, but it was garbage in, garbage out. Geigo, right? Garbage in, garbage. I see the brain cells because I had breakfast this morning. There you go. Sweets be damned. Steve Philpott, I'm looking at your quote. I couldn't find out who said it, but I was fascinated with what you said, Steve, because I have never heard of this. It is a, I call it a black comedy drama film from 2014, produced internationally, and I have the Swedish name for it, but the name in English is A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence. Has anybody else on the panel ever heard of this movie? Ever? I, I, I was about to email you, Steve, and say, but we need a fictional character from a movie. And, and I looked and looked. I finally found it. Uh, apparently, in this movie, there is a phone. The phone conversations in the movie always include the quote, but I couldn't figure out who the character was. There were two people in the cast. Holger Anderson plays Jonathan, and Niels or Niles Westblom plays Sam. It's called a slow cinema movie, hyper-reality, a series of mostly self-contained tableau. There's our French Bounce. Sometimes connected by recurring themes, the story follows two traveling novelty salesmen, Jonathan and Sam, who live in a desolate flop house. We won't go there. And their unsuccessful attempts to win customers with their jokes. Joke articles. Vampire teeth. Everybody do that. Laughing bags. A monster mask. There's no main storyline, but all the scenes are connected. And it got a 89% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes based on 98 in- reviews. Very interesting. Here is the line that always comes up on the phone conversations in the movie. And you have to tell me, Steve, who says this. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Steve, <laughs> help me out here. I really did my homework and that's all I could find. Go ahead. I, I think I'm kind of done with a lot of American movies as being entertaining. And I've, I've been down this rabbit hole of subtitled movies for, I don't know, the past few years. And this is a movie that great, that is great that uh, Amazon's AI kind of, you know, pushes stuff in. This is one where they were right. And it's a Swedish movie and it has a bunch of short stories. And in some of the short stories, the people are answering the phone during something that is very outrageous happening in front of them. And the point of the I'm glad you're doing fine statement is that they become distracted from what's happening in front of them and they do what's status quo, which is to say, oh, yeah, you know, this this phrase and the phrase in Swedish, I guess it is, is is kind of cool sounding because they have the bouncy term and they say it twice because the person doesn't hear it on the phone. And it's in about six scenes throughout the movie. And each of those scenes is absolutely bizarre, like one is uh, uh, like a, a, I don't know, a, a vet 
doing uh, electrotherapy on a monkey that's right there, square in front of the camera. The director's great, square in front of the camera, well lit. And every once in a while, a charge will come on and the monkey is screaming. And the woman is on the phone and she, you know, she says it again. Yar got athora vieg bra, I think it is. And you can tell the person didn't hear it. And she repeats it. But the monkey is still losing it. And in every other scene where this happens, it's just as bizarre. And it's a statement on how people are distracted from obvious things that are right in front of them to do what is, you know, expected of. Hi, how are you doing? Having a great day. But everything's under fire on the other side. But for our industry, it is this great opportunity to have these turnkey systems to change the way that your city is, uh, you know, uh, enabled, but we're not paying attention. We're doing the standard, hey, everything's fine. I'm glad to hear you're doing fine versus we have this great opportunity in front of us to do something. That was the point. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I had to cancel that email telling you you didn't send the right category. I, believe me, I have a list of really did. weird movies. It was wonderful. I watch French and Italian um, prosecutor and, and detective shows, and I love them. I started watching Emma Trattarani. It's an Italian, and she's a, I won't say what the first word is, blank-busting um, Italian prosecutor who wears crazy outfits, and she's a redhead, and she's falling in love with her, her yeah. uh, young young co- cohort, cohort, and her husband wants to start a jazz club, and the daughter is dating a guy who thinks he's moving in and taking over their household, and it's it's crazy as can be and it's delightful and i have to pay attention because i don't speak italian so i love i'm, stu- I'm studying italian now you know our ceo sandra formenton is italian and yes. all partners are either italian german or chinese so i have to learn to speak one of those languages try emma trattarani t-r-a-t-t-a-r-a-n-n-i something like that on on prime okay i'm going to recommend yep. that to you i think you will love it absolutely love it okay I mean, ryan Wolf. Have you seen La Fugitive, uh, The Fugitives with uh, Gerard Depardieu and um, Pierre Michard? No. You're going to no. love it if you like that kind of movie. Yeah. Okay. Thank you uh-huh. very much. Well, this is a series, and I'm, I'm into season two. I watched The the. Detective. Oh, this is an old movie, single, in the time when people just made movies. Really? Not, not just try to get subscribers. Did they really? <laughs> We can remember those days. I think we're all old enough or young enough as the case may be. Speaking of movies, Ryan Walsh has picked one of the favorite quotes of all times. This is from Marty McFly, who is was named in 2019, Ryan, Empire Magazine's number 12 greatest movie character of all time. Did you know that, Ryan? I didn't know that, but I agree. Now, oh, absolutely. And the movie, of course, is Back to the Future, 1985 American sci-fi film. If you're not familiar with it, just go find it. Michael J. Fox was fabulous. Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, unbelievable. He's a teenager who was accidentally sent back to 1955 in a time-traveling DeLorean automobile. A lot of our viewers and listeners may not know what a DeLorean is, Ryan. I just let's just leave that one on the table. If you ask them what a phonograph is, they'll have no idea, right, Chuck? Nope, nobody. Gen Z, no, no idea. Anyway, and a CD player, I'm not sure they know. Anyway, here is the quote. Love this quote. Ryan, tell us what it has to do with our topic. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are gonna love it. Ryan, you're up. Uh, so, I mean, that's been the, the nature of drones, right? It's been a slow adoption, but it seems like the younger generations really embraced it. And it's funny, we were doing a, uh, uh, 
pilot last year at a golf course that was uh, uh, an over 55 community. And uh, we thought for sure, this is not our group. These people are not going to embrace the, the drone delivery side. And they loved it. They loved it. So it's crazy how it really spans the entire, uh, you know, age demographic. Um, but yeah, I just felt very apropos for this. Thank you. It is very apropos, and it's a great quote, and it applies to so many things. Thank you very much. Love the nostalgia. We get a lot of quotes from Back to the Future on the show. Founce Genese has sent me a quote from a movie I'm not familiar with, American Gangster, 2007 American biographical crime film. It's about uh, Detective Richie Roberts and uh, Frank Lucas, played by, I'm sorry, it's about Frank Lucas, played by Denzel Washington, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, fictionally based on the criminal career of Frank Lucas, a gangster from North Carolina, that's why I just left the state, I'm only joking, who smuggled heroin into the U.S. on American service planes returning from Vietnam before being detained by a task force led by Detective Richie Roberts. Quite a great cast, including Cuba Gooding Jr., Russell Crowe, my goodness, Ruby D, Ted Levine, Josh Brolin, I can't pronounce the rest of them. Here's the quote, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. What? Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, um, um, our current industry has a lot of bravado, and uh, a lot of the people that are the loudest, um, typically that I've seen, and we've all experienced this, um, have a lot of air behind their bravado. Uh, those are the, some of the quietest companies that are just doing their thing, grinding it out, doing the work. They're the ones who usually have the technology in hand and are capable of doing things. Uh, so we've all experienced that, every one of us here in the industry. And so sometimes you just got to, you know, take a look behind the curtain uh, and see who's uh, the uh, the uh, magic man behind the curtain, just like The Wizard of Oz. 1939 American classic movie, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Okay, yes, little old man. Thank you very much, Founce. And Alex has picked a beautiful quote from a John Lennon song. It's the first song we're having on the show today, and I promise not to sing. The song is Imagine 1971. Yoko Ono is not given credit right away, and they're trying to give her credit for co-writing the song. BMI named it one of the 100 most performed songs of the 20th century. It made number 30 on RIAA's list of the 365 songs of the century, got a Grammy Hall of Fame award, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. There we go. Okay, so here we go. The quote is, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. That was controversial. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Imagine. Alex, be still my heart. Talk to me. How does this apply to our topic? Well, it, yeah, it, the whole song really applies. First of all, I'm a huge Beatles fan. It's amazing how much they did in such a, sh a short amount of time when you look at the, the, the few years that they were together. Um, but uh, uh, John Lennon's Imagine's lyrics are, um, well, they, they were written a year before I was born. So sort of like uh, setting up the stage <laughs> for me to come on to this earth. I, I just love every part of that lyrics. I mean, even some of the parts you didn't read, like imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger or whatever, who to man, imagine all the people sharing all the world. I mean, that is, uh, you know, that's what we're doing with the sharing economy today, right? That's that's what Drizzt does today is saying, you don't need to own a drone in Bali in order to be able to fly and in Bali. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the, most drones are idle, you know, 99% of the time. Why not share them? 
um, you know, and that's that's that model has been taken successfully to uh, much less shareable goods like houses uh, by Airbnb, for example, and others like VRBO. So it can certainly be taken to the world of drones. Um, and I think the part that, that that you read, imagine there's no countries, uh, nothing to kill or die for. I mean, look at what's going on in in Ukraine right now to try to decide whether the Donbass, you know, should uh, you know fall in one color on the map or in another color. You know, to some extent, who cares? You know, if we look at the European Union, where you cross international borders and, and you can hardly tell that you've crossed it, you know, it's just you're walking across. That's that's the future of, of the world. That's the right future of the world. Uh, and so people killing over what flag you fly is just ridiculous. Um, and so I, um, you know, I think that's a, it's a very prescient song and one that we need to remind ourselves. And how does this relate to drones specifically, Alex? The, the, like I said, sharing. So, you know, imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of men. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Drizzit was created to share the drones of the world, right? Thank to you. share the possessions of the world so that people don't need to own drones all over the world. Nobody owns drones all over the world. Um, but we can all fly drones all over the world with a platform like Drizzit that allows us to share. Thank you very much. Thank you all for very, very interesting quotes. Appreciate the research. And Steve, most unusual movie I had to be introduced to. So thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Now I have to start watching Swedish shows. Let's go to our predictions. We've got plenty of time here, Chuck Byers. I'm looking at prediction number four. I put one in the chat for you, for Steve, for Ryan, and I will add one for Alex and Founce in a minute. So, Chuck, let's. here's what we're going to do. Take about two to three minutes, unpack this. I'll read it. And then if anybody has any comments on what Chuck is predicting, raise one of your polite fingers. You've got four polite fingers on each hand. Wiggle one of your fingers and I'll give you one minute to comment on what he said. If nobody comments, nobody wiggles, I will go to the next person's prediction and let's see how many predictions we can cover. Chuck Byers, number four, medical applications will lead the way in drone delivery, but they will quickly be overshadowed by hospitality and food delivery. Talk to me. It's really uh, driven by the regulatory environments that were in some ways hampered by. So there's this thing called BVLOS, Beyond Visual Line of Sight, which basically, at least in the United States, the Federal Aviation Administration very carefully regulates what you can do with a drone if you can't see it through its entire flight path. It turns out that for most of the work that we do in drone package delivery, it's pretty impractical to actually have a single human's eyeballs on the drone, you know, if it's taking a pizza from a pizza restaurant to a, a landing station in front of the dormitory to deliver those pizzas on Friday night. It's pretty hard to find a place where a human can have eyeballs on that drone for its entire flight. So there are various ways to get waivers and various ways to, uh, to sort of circumvent the existing regulations. And it turns out that the place where it's economically viable to do that is generally in healthcare applications. So you might be taking, for example, drugs from a central hospital to a remote clinic or buy samples from the remote clinic back to the central hospital's laboratory. Uh, that's a thing that, that we can actually figure out a way to, you know, to have the pain and to do the, the regulatory uh, approvals necessary 
to to actually get a little in front of the the mainstream regulations in medical things. That's why I think that that's likely to be uh, one of the first markets that drone delivery will be largely contributing to. But as soon as the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States and similar agencies across the globe start to relax these BVLOS rules, uh, then we're going to start to see you know what what you would drive around with a DoorDash or a Goober Eats or or the the pharmacy delivery vehicles and so on. Uh, so I think that uh, that things like um, hospitality, uh, fast food, you know, we we talk about delivering um, stuff from the pro shop on the golf course out to the 14th tee. That kind of stuff I think will rapidly overshadow it, and by the time we talk a couple of years from now next, we uh, will actually be starting to see a lot of these hospitality, fast food, big box retail, uh, you know, Starbucks uh, deliveries uh, oh, that it will be dominating the number of flight hours. I think dominating is the key word. Any comments? I don't see any wiggle. Oh, there we go. Fancy wiggled. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with Chuck wholeheartedly. Um, I come from a medical background, and so this is the way I, I see it. At one point in time, Benadryl was the prescription medication. Mm-hmm. Now it's OTC. Now it's over the counter. And it's the same thing. At first, it has to be regulated, made sure it's safe, and now you can just go buy it. And so it's the same thing with the, the drone industry on this BBLOS issue. So I wholeheartedly agree with Chuck. Thank you very much. Okay, let's go to the next one. I'm looking at Steve Philpott. I'm looking at your prediction number two. U.S. cities will promote their own specific UAM, and you can unpack this for us, projects to attract innovators and consumers. That's interesting. Steve, talk, please. Yeah, so let's break down UAM. So urban air mobility is kind of that larger platform that includes drones and flying taxis, whether it be for passengers, excuse me, or cargo. And I think that um, where Chuck was saying it's kind of, you know, the barrier right now may be regulatory approval of some processes. Working on the inside of some of these groups, I believe that the regulations will be passed um, well before the mindsets of the cities that can utilize these services are ready to, to utilize them. And so... Uh, what we've been finding is that the cities that are thinking about drones for delivery and air taxis to, you know, make uh, better transportation op- options available for their citizens, those cities are now thinking, well, we're going to be first at either leisure and entertainment, cargo delivery, or passenger delivery. And we have to put in an infrastructure to do that. And the payoff comes from utilization. And so the very same way as back in the 1800s or so, when cities were just starting to grow along rail lines, but they promoted, hey, come take the rail on into Chicago because we've got the biggest stockyard or we've got the best this and we've got jobs in this and this is going to be very interesting, is the very same approach that cities are going to take to say, hey, we've got a vertiport that goes from our downtown area to our newly constructed stadium, which is 40 miles away. We've got drone delivery to your hotel room because we've got these delivery boxes sitting at the edge of the uh, of each floor for this. We have a tourism that will take you 
on an air taxi around the city. And all these things are significantly cheaper, have a, a smaller footprint, uh, environmental footprint, and they also generate activities that help to build these cities. So cities are going to focus on what we plan to do because our eyes are now open to the opportunity and how to get the best providers of these services and hardware and the consumers that use these. And those consumers are both businesses and, you know, individuals. But the, the bugle now has gone beyond, hey, they're going to use drones to, hey, they're going to use drones for X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. to now what we're doing to make X, Y, and Z happen. We need this infrastructure. We need these regulatory approvals and we need for our municipality or our hotel to be enabled in these myriad ways so that we can capture all these benefits and cash that comes from it. So you're going to see a lot of noise come from cities. And what about the excitement? Look at us. We've got drones. Look at the services. Chuck, wiggle. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, the, certainly city managers are, are potentially facing some serious choices to be made over the next half a decade or so. And a lot of them really have to do with the livability and the, uh, and, and the convenience associated with those cities. And, and traffic congestion is a serious problem pretty much everywhere. Uh, we think that drone package delivery can get about 70% of the packages delivered by Amazon, UPX, FedEx, off the streets and into the skies. So that means that there's you know fewer gas stations and parking lots and warehouses and loading docks to be built and fewer multi-lane interstate highways slashing across the landscape. Uh, carbon emissions, of course, is a huge deal to a lot of, uh, especially the green and woke city managers. And um, I, I think that the, the e-commerce folks who don't use drone delivery, you know, think about a pizza delivery restaurant who's using fleets of, uh, you know, Pontiacs or whatever to get their, their, their pizzas delivered, um, that they're going to be at a serious disadvantage in terms of uh, food quality, uh, speed of service, and the labor content if they don't embrace drones quick. So there'll be pressure on those city managers, let's get this drone infrastructure in quick so that we can have all those benefits. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let me go to the next one. We have Ryan Walsh. Ryan, I'm looking at prediction number three. You really have to unpack this for me. You say the countries that embrace the technological revolution happening in automation, connectivity, and deep tech like quantum computing will make the ones that don't embrace it embrace it appear to be in the dark ages before they even know it. So let's weave drones into that sentence. Ryan? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're already starting to see the divide, especially between the U.S. and China and the race with semiconductors, and that's impacting drones all the way to, you know, all kinds of devices. But to even pull it back to, to Steve's last one, um, it's very much on the municipal level. So as you look back, right, the, the towns that were kind of bypassed by the railways and then eventually the highways, they eventually became ghost towns. Um you know, these major logistics trends are, are very critical in keeping cities both competitive, viable, uh, and, and you know, attracting people, talents, uh, companies to them. Um, so whether it's the companies within that city that are pre- pressing for it or the cities themselves just not embracing it fast enough, it's going to be a major determining factor. And we're going to see just in a few years um just what the impact of that is going to be so you know you take that all the way up to the state and country level uh it's got some serious national defense and national security implications 
Thank you very much. Any comments? Any wiggled fingers there? Steve looks like he's about to do it, but he's not going to. Okay, we're good. Ryan, thank you very much. Let me go to the next one. Founce, I'm looking at prediction number two. You have to unpack this one for me as well. We'll see more cooperative and collaborative projects in the next year than we've seen thus far in the industry. CUAV 2022, you're going to tell me what that is, has demonstrated the cooperation between companies has begun to flourish. Which companies, what kind of collaboration, and what is CUAV 2022? Founce. Okay, well, CUAV is commercial UAV. It's uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, gatherings and expos. It's kind of like the CES for drones, uh, to put it simply. And to Ryan's point, to Stephen's point, to what Chuck was saying, none of it is going to happen if each individual company just works in their own silo, period. This will never happen. This has to be a collaborative and cooperative effort. You know, we work directly with Valerie to put end-to-end drone delivery systems because we don't make the receptacles for the drones. We make the cargo systems. Then you have our own manufacturers. So we all have to work collectively and we kind of do the integrations to make that happen. So yes, we're talking vertiports. I'm not building a vertiport. No way. I'm not going to put the uh, smart city sensors in. I'm not going to do any of that because that's not my specialty. You know, just like if you go to an operating room, you have the surgeon, you have the nurse, you have the anesthesiologist, and you have all this group of people to make the outcome of this whatever surgery that you're going to have work. So we have to do the same thing as an industry. So um, I attended CUAV this year, and for the first time, um, I saw some collaborative efforts that made sense. I had people go, oh, wait, I'm doing X, and -and so-and-so wants to do Y, but we need you or somebody else to do X, Y, and Z to make the outcome happen. And this was the first time that I saw that the industry finally got it that we all have to work collaboratively. Ryan and I over the years have had um, conversations on how there's gonna be consolidation in the industry. <clears throat> and, there, and and that's part of the uh, growing of an industry, consolidations happening. And you know what, they have to happen or there's gonna have to be collaborative efforts to make everything that we're talking about here happen. Um, and just like um, Alex with Drizzit, I have a drone sitting here doing nothing. Well, I have to work with Drizzit to make my drone be profitable for me when I'm not using it. So it's a quality effort. And so finally, I think the industry has finally turned the corner um, and users have finally realized that, oh my gosh, we have to work together to move all this forward. And that sounds exciting to me, working together. Look at all the brain power, look at all the energy and look at all the forward motion to say, hey, let's put our ideas together. Chuck, go ahead. I've got a question back for Founce. Do you think that that cooperation that you're talking about is likely to happen on a commercial basis, you know, individual companies inking contracts and, 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 and chasing markets together? Or is it more likely to happen as an industry standardization effort where sort of everybody gets together and democratically elects a chairman of a standards committee and then we generate a bunch of paperwork and, and, and sign that standard and, and use that kind of like the, uh, you know, these USB cables that we got around. You know, somebody figured out what those connectors are supposed to be. Is there going to be somebody who's going to figure out the USB connector equivalent globally for something like drone package retention or, or weather forecasting or air traffic control or whatever the, the task at hand to make the drone ecosystem flourish will be? Fans? 
I think what's going to happen and what I'm seeing is going to be companies working together initially. And then as more and more companies work together, we're going to have to move towards a standard. Um, anything else I've seen, you know, when cell phones first came out, you had AT&T, you only use AT&T phones on an AT&T cellular network. You had a Verizon only on Verizon, but eventually I think it's the CDMA and whatever. Now you can use whatever tower you just hop back and forth and you just pick your plan. So I think that's going to be part of the natural evolution that some of us are thinking about that. Hey, we should set a standard, but it's going to have to start from let's just work together in the first place. And then once we start working together, then there's going to have to be a standard because you're not going to be able to have vertiports across the country and you can only dock on, you know, I've got an XY connector and somebody's got a, a Z connector to land on these vertiports across the country. You're going to have to have a standard. So I think part of the art evolution is going to be, let's work together first and then wait, we need to now consolidate and set a standard. Thank you, fans. Thank you, Chuck. And and Alex, I have a feeling that with Drizzt, you're creating a standards because you're saying if you want to use your drone around the world through my app, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. These are the requirements. Am I right, Alex? You've, you've got your own set of standards or rules. Just briefly, Alex, and then we'll go to your prediction. Alex? Yeah, and, and like Frank said, we like to collaborate with people. I mean, Grizzit is a very horizontally applicable platform. We love to collaborate with people who are building vertically specialized solutions. I mean, just this week, uh, we talked to a company that built some really specialized algorithms for agro and farming, you know, and, and they're looking at using our platform to build on top of that. So I think that, uh, as Frank said, there's going to be lots of collaboration ahead. Good, yes. good. And speaking of which collaboration, I'm going to read Alex's prediction number one. This is very interesting, Alex. I like the way you worded it. Drones as a service, D-A-A-S, will be used to accomplish tasks for people such as take this to grandma's house. Software will eat drones. Today, much of the focus is on hardware makers. Tomorrow will be in cloud-based software running drones. The average person will use many drones. There'd be a network of drone charging stations around cities, just like EV charging stations for cars today. Alex, unpack. This is interesting. Go ahead. Thank you. So I, I guess there's four things to unpack there, right? So the first one is the this idea that today, uh, a lot of drones are being used. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, a lot of drones today are being used in a very um, sort of low-level uh, control kind of way, right? Like I'm controlling a drone as a pilot, and I'm telling it go up, go go left, go forward. Uh, I think in the but but that's not how we interact with humans, right? With humans, we tell an assistant, "Hey, can you please you know get this delivered for me?" Or we tell a home inspector, "Hey, can you check it and tell me if the house is good to buy or not?" Uh, and so on, right? I think that's what we're going to do with drones. You know, take this to grandma, tell me if the roof looks good or not. Uh, you know, look at this uh, power line and let me know if there are any anything that looks like it needs to be replaced, etc. And so you you're going to be able to give these high level commands. And, and have that, um, you know, happen. I think that the drones have the best chance at the, uh, the delivery of um, the vision that we've always had for robots helping life, uh, much more than robots because they have much, it's much easier to move around uh, drones. So that's the, the first one. Yep. The second one is the, you know, the fact that software will really eat up uh, the drone industry. You know, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, one of the, you know, most famous uh, venture capital firms in the, in the world, um, founded among others by by the founder of Netscape, yep. the, the the original browser, 
it has the saying that says software, you know, eats everything. Um, and, and I think it's very true, right? It's because everything that can be uh, changed in software, it's much easier, cheaper, faster to change the software than the hardware. And so I think a lot of the focus today on drones has been on the hardware side, uh, but we're going to see more and more of those capabilities uh, live in the cloud. Like in, in, in Drizzt, you know, we have the ability to zoom in and zoom out regardless of what the, 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 the drone is. And we have the capability for each user. So different users can be zooming in on different things. And none of that lives in the drone. Uh, the ability to create missions or geofences uh, or control the drone or, or, or store and take photos and videos, none of that lives in the drone. It lives in the, in the software, in the cloud address. So that's the second one. I think the third one uh, relates to, you know, the, the average person will use many drones. So we're used to using one cell phone. Um, but that's because you can, you really, really don't need more than one cell phone because the location of the cell phone doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, you just need it next to you this one. Mm -hmm. For a drone, the three most important aspects to a drone's performance are its location, its location, and its location. Um, if you want to see if your daughter is safe, you need a drone with a view of your daughter. If you want to know if your home is secure, you need a drone with a view of your home. If you want to see a volcano er er erupting in Hawaii, you need one in Hawaii. And so we need access to drones all over the world. And that's why the average person will use many drones. Um, and then the last one is when we have uh, drones that are you know, moving all over, we need, we're going to need to charge them in all different kinds of places. Uh, and so we'll need a, a network of drone charging stations around cities, just like there are EV or electric vehicle charging stations today. Thank you. Wow. We just got a primer or a primer. Uh, Founce, go ahead. We, I'm just telling everybody we have three-minute warning. We have three more minutes till I have to close. Founce, go ahead. Okay. Um, I agree with uh, what Alex is saying, and it also goes back to Chuck's question. Um, are we going to have to have a standard? Obviously, yes. And this goes to what Stephen and um, Ryan are all about as well. We're going to have to eventually have a standard if we're going to have drones all over the place. You know, the Valkyrie um, uh, drone delivery station it can also act as a charging station. So we're going to have to have a, a standard for all these different types of drones that are everywhere that they can land and charge. And, you know, uh, and there's going to have to be some kind of infrastructure that we all agree on to make that happen. You know, and of course, I agree with the location, 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 100 percent. But the one thing we need to remember is drone delivery is not just a physical asset. It's not delivery of just physical assets, as Alex knows. It's about the digital asset of data, data, and data. Mm -hmm. um, because when we ink a contract in uh, in business, we say, what's the deliverable? Well, for drones, the deliverable can be a physical asset. It can be an inspection report, or it can be just pure raw data. So we have to remember that drone delivery is all those aspects. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Alex, that was a very provocative uh, prediction. I appreciate that. And thank you for explaining all the parts. We've got about thank two you. and a half minutes left. Thank you. Uh, Chuck, I just want to touch on your prediction number two. I'm going to give you one minute and then we're going to do final round. Okay. Chuck's prediction number two, I think is important for this whole conversation. He says, as they become more prevalent, drones will be trusted by people. He actually wrote, people will begin to trust drones, but people are already prevalent. So people, as drones become more prevalent, people will begin to trust them more. Chuck, just take 60 seconds. That's all I really have. And, and tell us why you think so. Is it happening now? I, I think that it is. Uh, I think people are realizing that the drones aren't necessarily up there for evil purposes. They're, they're not trying to you know, look through your, your skylight to see you naked in the bathroom. I think they you know, might be up there inspecting your roof or, or trying to find a fugitive or whatever. So, so I understand the purpose of the drones and understand that as people start to get more benefit 
out of drone operations, they're not going to mind that those drones are flying uh, overhead. Uh, it's it's kind of like, you know, people, people right now look at them, it's like, oh, well, that's interesting and possibly creepy. A couple of years from now, they'll look at them and smile, kind of like I look at the flocks of geese that are flying south over my house right now. It's like, yeah, it's just up there. It's not hurting anybody. And it's getting a purpose accomplished. Uh, I think that we're in the transition right now from the, the I don't quite trust it to it's a great part of, uh, of the environment and let's let it go. As long as the squirrel peeking into my office when the show started wasn't really a drone in squirrel's clothing, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I want to thank all of you so much. I will tell you that I have to go, but when when I was in Durham about two years ago, we had marauding cars that would drive up and down the neighborhood, screeching tires, burning rubber, going right through the asphalt, leaving figure eights in cul-de-sacs. And I called the police and I said, what are you? And they said, lady, give us a license plate. I said, it's 30 degrees out. It's 1030 at night. It's dark. I'm a single woman. You want me to go out and trail this car and give you a license plate. But if I would have had a drone, let's leave that one to your imagination. There we go. Thank you very much. Anyway, I want to thank all of you and thank Andrew, my engineer at Voice America, the Business Channel team, Chuck Byers, wonderful Steve Philpott, and Stephen Philpott, wonderful Ryan Walsh, always. Ryan, we got to get you to smile more. Founce Genesee, I can say that. Alex Backer, wonderful with Drizzt. We're so happy to have you back. And here's my call to action. Everybody, raise your finger. We're going to wag the finger one two three no 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 people say the future is already here and we say no come on no 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 no, because that was yesterday's future today's future hasn't happened yet and darn we're gonna all make it a better one bonnie d signing off don't thank you for joining us for technology revolution the future of now mark your calendar to join host bonnie d graham every wednesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now